Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. number 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. So Joe Biden just traded, just traded, I guess like it's some kind of a baseball game, the number one terrorist arms dealer on the face of the planet for a basketball player who went into Russia shortly before Russia invaded Ukraine and had been preparing to invade Ukraine with marijuana vaping or whatever it is in her suitcase. And of course Putin exploited it by locking her up for nine years. In the meantime a Marine who's been there for four years, is stuck there, accused of espionage. And we don't normally use Marines for espionage, Mr. Producer. And there's another individual over there who's in prison for using marijuana. So why is this basketball player, woman's basketball player, Why is she being released in exchange for Victor Bout? Does anybody know? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what the Huffington Compost thinks. Anybody out there who dares to question this is obviously a bigot and a racist. Because Griner is African-American. She's a lesbian. And so you're a bigot, you see, and you're a racist. And just because she 
very publicly said as a member, a star of the Women's National Basketball Association, that she would not come out to any basketball game while the national anthems are being played as her form of protest against systemic police racism and racial injustice. It doesn't mean this country shouldn't have bent over backwards to trade her to get her back in exchange for the world's most horrendous arms dealer and terrorist. Meanwhile, the other two Americans remain in prison because Putin wouldn't give them up, especially the Marine. Especially the Marine. So you have to ask yourself, America, well, under what conditions can we get this Marine back? I mean, there's only one worst of the worst arms dealer and terrorist, right? What's left? Nothing's left. So people are asking legitimate questions. That's number one. Number two, yes, if Donald Trump had made such a trade, rather than rather than for Brittany Griner, but for somebody else, he would be told and said to be selling out to the Russians, wouldn't he? This demonstrates that he's on the Russian payroll, right? Number three, how do you think the rest of the world is going to view this? They're going to think this is easy pickings. Easy pickings. And they're going to be right. No, this quote-unquote trade should never have been made. Ever. And I don't really care what the radical left media have to say. They do not care about the security of this country. And for them, all the talk about equality, the fact is, in our country, some people are more equal than others. And that is the people of the left are clearly viewed as superior to everybody else. Because the media are the people of the left. That's why Barack Obama can go to Georgia and smear and character assassinate Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker, an accomplished black man who's treated in a very racist way by Obama, by Joe Scarborough. It's a, uh, it's a free attack. But not for the left. That's why The View and other people who brought on national TV platforms can get away with saying the things they say, the racist things, the misogynistic things against conservative women. But this is a disaster. And of course, we needed to use the Saudis and the UAE as the intermediaries because Biden simply doesn't have any clout. So Biden... Gave up what Putin wanted. You can be sure that he's going to use this guy who's been called the merchant of death. In his campaign, not just against the Ukrainians, but against his own people, against other countries and so forth. And I'm sure Brittany Griner will go back to being an anti-American reprobate. But that's okay, you see.
It's okay. And if you disagree with this, you're obviously a white supremacist or a racist. There could be no other explanation. Stephen Green, writing at PJ Media. Victor Bout, arms dealer, terrorists, and worse. Who more than earned his merchant of death, sobriquet, is once more a free man. But who is he? The world's most successful arms merchant was born 55 years ago, an ethnic Ukrainian in Soviet Tajikistan, part of the Turkic Central Asia, also known as Sanctions Buster, Bout got his start in arms dealing during the chaotic years after the fall of the Soviet Union. That heavily militarized former superpower left everything from state-of-the-art jets and tanks to nuclear missiles and bombers, all scattered around newly independent countries like Ukraine and Kazakhstan. There were lots of shady deals to be made with cash-strapped governments and high-ranking military officers. Bout reportedly smuggled more than $32 billion dollars in various weapons out of Ukraine during the 90s. It was during this same period, 1994 to be exact, that then-President Bill Clinton was negotiating the Budapest Memoranda between Russia Federation and several former Soviet republics, including Ukraine. And Kiev agreed to give up former Soviet nuclear weapons and delivery systems in exchange for security guarantees that turned out to be worthless. Worthless. Maybe the best that can be said about the Budapest Memorandum is that it may have prevented Bout from getting his hands on any nuclear weapons because this guy will sell it literally to anybody. Part of his 2012 conviction in a New York federal court was for attempting to buy and sell anti-aircraft missiles to terrorist organizations for use against passenger jets, including ours, by the way. Bout was sentenced to 25 years in prison, and Moscow's been trying to get him released ever since. Ever since. Well, now they got him. You have to ask why the Kremlin would be so eager to get a terrorist sponsor released from prison. I can give you two answers. First is that Bout has almost certainly been paying kickbacks, protection money, really, to the criminal clique that runs the Russian Federation. The other, at least according to several European governments is that Russia is itself a terrorist state. But back to Bout. In the early 2000s, he got heavily involved in trafficking weapons to various African dictators and thugs. He's believed sometimes to have been working at the behest of Russian intelligence. He was arrested by Thai authorities in 2008 after a sting operation involving a paid DEA informant. Bout was involved, he thought, in a conspiracy to supply Russian anti-aircraft and armor-piercing rocket launchers to FARC, a communist rebel group in Colombia. He was extradited to the U.S. in 2010 and charged with conspiracy to provide material support or resources to a designated foreign terrorist organization conspiring to kill Americans, conspiring to kill American officers or employers, employees rather, and conspiring to acquire and use an anti-aircraft missile, as well as wire fraud and money laundering and all the rest. And just like that, as I speak, he's back in Russia. I'm sure he'll be a very good citizen there. And I'm sure he won't lash out against the United States. And this is what Joe Biden did. And he wants to be celebrated and he wants to be thanked. 
and he wants to be praised for what he did. Now he should be condemned for what he did. Condemned. Meanwhile, Paul Whalen, the Marine, who's been there for four years, I'm not Nostradamus. I can't make predictions. But I suspect he'll be there now for a lot longer. Because there's nothing to trade for him, is there? And apparently Russia really bargained very tough, very hard. Because the best we could do was to get a basketball player who shows nothing but contempt for this country publicly. And Russia got exactly what they wanted. Just another day in the neighborhood. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, our great nation was founded on the principle of all men are created equal. But far too many of our nation's colleges and universities, including those in the so-called Ivy League, continue to insist on using race as a factor for admissions. And the Supreme Court is deciding a case on this subject right now. But there's a unique American college that doesn't discriminate based on race. It never has, and it never will. And it's my favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale was founded in 1844 to educate, quote, all persons, irrespective of nationality, color, or sex, unquote. It continues that policy today, admitting students on the strength of their character, ability, and intentions, not their heritage or background. My friend Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College, recently published an article explaining Hillsdale's colorblind policies and its related refusal of government funding, even indirectly in the form of federal student aid. Read it for yourself at levinforhillsdale.com. And after you read it, you may even want to support Hillsdale with a year-end gift. So please go read Dr. Arn's article today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Michael Braun is the former chief of operations for U.S. Drug Enforcement. He was on 60 Minutes on November 2010. And he's talking about, he's talking about Bout, the man who Joe Biden just released on the world. Cut one, go. Victor Boot, uh, in in my eyes, um, is one of the most dangerous men on the face of the earth. On the face of the earth. Without a doubt. Mike Braun, the former chief of operations for the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, told us Boot first exploded on the scene in war-torn West Africa in the late 1980s. Elevating bloody conflicts from machetes and single-shot rifles to... AK-47s, not by the thousands, but by the tens of thousands. So he weaponizes civil war in Africa. He transformed these young adolescent warriors into... uh, insidious, mindless, maniacally driven killing machines that operated with assembly line efficiencies. Now 43, Boot from the Soviet Republic of Tajikistan is a mystery man who reportedly served in the Soviet Air Force and Intelligence Service. The U.S. has indicted him on four terror-related charges, including conspiracy to kill Americans. What makes him a threat to the United States? He is a shadow facilitator. He's arming not only designated terrorist groups, Uh, insurgent groups, but he's also arming 
very powerful drug trafficking cartels uh, around the globe. Taking advantage of Russian military contacts at the highest levels and the collapse of the Soviet Union, federal prosecutors allege Boot essentially became a one-stop shop, offering an unlimited supply of stockpiled Cold War weapons to bad guys around the world, including Charles Taylor of Liberia, who's now on trial for war crimes. According to the U.S. indictment, Boot had a unique selling point when it came to weapons trafficking. A fleet of cargo airplanes capable of transporting weapons and military equipment anytime, anywhere. More than 60 planes in all, his own private air force. Those Russian aircraft uh, were built like flying dump trucks. He could move this stuff and drop it with pinpoint accuracy to any desert, to any jungle, to any other remote place in the world, right into the hands of what I refer to as the potpourri of global scum. And this is what sites like the Huffington Compost is defending. In essence, they are defending the release of this man onto the world, who's brought the death of tens of thousands across the globe, particularly in the third world and particularly in Africa. Now, the Huffington Compost and their their so-called reporter, but she's not alone. This is the mindset. They don't care about the thousands of deaths and the mayhem that have occurred in Africa as a result of this man. They pretend to support African Americans in this country, but they close their eyes and they ignore to what this man has done to the rest of the world and what now he'll continue to do to the rest of the world. There is no rational explanation for what just took place. None. I understand empathy and compassion. I really do. But empathy and compassion cuts the other way here. The fact that we are able to get this mass murder, the greatest threat on the face of the earth, according to this former head of the DEA, was really almost accidental, given the fact that the Thai government caught him. It reminds me what Obama did in exchanging some of the most ruthless Taliban, in this case for an American deserter, some of whom now are the leading government officials in Afghanistan, slaughtering people, slaughtering women. That wasn't exactly a fair trade either. Do you think, America? I'll be right back. Folks, our great nation was founded on the principle of all men are created equal. But far too many of our nation's colleges and universities, including those in the so-called Ivy League, continue to insist on using race as a factor for admissions. And the Supreme Court is deciding a case on this subject right now. But there's a unique American college that doesn't discriminate based on race. It never has, and it never will. And it's my favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale was founded in 1844 to educate, quote, all persons, irrespective of nationality, color, or sex, unquote. It continues that policy today, admitting students on the strength of their character, ability, and intentions, not their heritage or background. 
My friend Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College, recently published an article explaining Hillsdale's colorblind policies and its related refusal of government funding, even indirectly in the form of federal student aid. Read it for yourself at levinforhillsdale.com. And after you read it, you may even want to support Hillsdale with a year-end gift. So please go read Dr. Arn's article today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. The Mark Levin Show, the pool feed for the conservative media. Dive in now, 877-381-3811. So Joe Biden has just released the greatest threat, the greatest individual threat when it comes to arms, arms sales and transfers and supporting terrorism. And uh, guerrilla organizations on the face of the earth. So Joe Biden, when anything happens in our country, says, I don't understand this, uh, these automatic, semi-automatic weapons, and we ought to limit the amount of bullets in the, that we have, uh, and so forth and so on. What do you need them for? Always attacking the honorable law-abiding American citizen, the Bill of Rights, all of it, and particularly the Second Amendment. And yet Joe Biden just released the most craven, vile, mass-murdering gun dealer. And you have to assume some of these guns are going to wind up in the United States on the face of the earth. For a basketball player who disrespected tens of millions of Americans, irresponsibly goes to Russia right before the invasion as the Russians are building up their invasion forces, as the State Department puts out warnings and puts this marijuana vaping crap in her suitcase. And the left-wing media says, if you don't agree with this trade, then you're a racist. Despite the fact that this killer bout has, by arming these various entities, slaughtered thousands, if not tens of thousands of minorities, particularly Africans, but not merely Africans, many other people and there's not a peep about it nothing hostage negotiations my friend Debbie Burlingame writes Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and his four co-conspirators you remember them folks don't you you remember 9-11 are now in plea negotiations to take the death penalty off the table. Plea negotiations with the Biden administration. These are the same men who, in 2008, calling themselves the 9-11 Shura Council, proudly declared their guilt and called the charges for the death of 3,000 innocent people badges of honor, which we carry with pride, quote-unquote. 
Remember the FALN, 146 bombings, nine dead or maimed for life, including NYPD bomb squad officers. Clinton. Lopez Rivera, the leader, refused to denounce terrorism. He was released by Obama. And she rightly points out five Taliban leaders traded away by Obama for Bergdahl, who was a traitor. Puerto Rican nationalists who opened fire in the U.S. Senate, hitting five lawmakers, including one in the chest, paroled by Carter. By Carter. But to but to release this mass murder so that now the rest of the free world has to deal with this, including us, and to be celebrated for it is contemptible, absolutely contemptible. And the precedent it sets, as Deborah points out, and I'm mentioning and others are pointing out, is just unbelievable. Tom Cotton will be on the program to discuss this further with me in about 45, 50 minutes. Because he too understands the, uh, the gravity of this. And the gravity of this is a big deal. Um, Paul Whelan, who is this Marine who's a Russian prisoner, was actually able to talk to CNN today. Here's what he said in part. Cut five, go. I have to say I'm greatly disappointed that more has not been done to secure my release, especially as the four-year anniversary of my arrest is coming up. I was arrested for a crime that never occurred. I'm happy that Brittany is going home today and that Trevor went home when he did, but I don't understand why I'm still sitting here. My bags are packed. I'm ready to go home. I just need an airplane to come and get me. Cut six, go. I would say that if um, a message could go to President Biden that um, you know this is a precarious situation that needs to be resolved quickly, and um, I would hope that he and his administration would do everything they could to get me home, um, regardless of the price they might have to pay at this point. You understand what that man's saying, America? He's saying it's a precarious situation. And pay whatever price you have to that he needs to go home at this point. Sounds to me like he's being threatened, doesn't it, to you, Mr. Producer? Just listen carefully to what he's saying, because I'm sure he chose his words very carefully. Remember Jeremiah Denton, the great senator, the great patriot from Alabama? The left attacked him too. And remember when the North Vietnamese and the Viet Cong had him do a propaganda film and remember he kept blinking and blinking and our Pentagon said, what's wrong with his eyes? And then somebody figured out. He was blinking SOS. Torture. What a fantastic man he was. Fantastic man. The left attacked him too. But Paul Whelan to me is sending a message. 
you listen to my show, and I appreciate it. And I try to really look at these issues. It's not one of many issues for me. It's an issue that's very, very important. I'm looking at this carefully, and I'm watching, and I'm listening, and I'm using what what brain cells I have to figure these things out. And when you listen to what this man says, and I'm going to play this part of it again, he is saying it's precarious. Regardless of the price they may have to pay at this point. That tells me that this guy's life is on the line. Because they just gave up the biggest the biggest want that Putin wanted for the basketball player. Play it again, please. Go. I would say that if um, a message could go to President Biden that um, you know this is a precarious situation that needs to be resolved quickly and um, I would hope that he and his administration would do everything they could to get me home um, regardless of the price they might have to pay at this point. Got it. Now, for Don Lemon at CNN and all the other leftists, who cares? Because this is a momentous event. Why? Cut nine, go. I I think I would be remiss if we did not mention also the importance this plays for the LGBTQ community. We've been talking about black women. This is big. So this is for the LGBTQ community. Glad releasing a statement. Obviously, just I'm summarizing here that they're happy and it shows the the, um, struggles and the danger that members of the LGBT community face around the world. But when you look at what is happening with the LGBT community, specifically here um, in the United States, what does this say? Does, what, does this bring attention to that? And it shows right, us, enough, hey, look. Enough. This is, this is the idiocy. This is the idiocy. And yet, Don Lemon, as dumb and as absurd as this, as this man is, he's basically told you why this trade took place. He's basically told you why. But what Don Lemon will not say, even though he's African-American is the hell this man unleashed throughout the African continent and elsewhere against minorities, among others. That he won't mention. How do these other countries feel? Wonder if the Mexican cartels are now going to benefit. Just wondering. It's just, it's just shocking. It's, it's, it's contemptible. That this man is now released. And remember the bottom line here with Biden is all the talk about gun control and removing clips with more than what is it? Two shots or whatever he's got in mind. He just released on the world the most horrendous arms dealer in the history of the world. And I don't think he's going to be limiting his clients at all. And this is a guy who sells and trades in big stuff. Anti-aircraft missiles, so you can take out airliners. Anti-aircraft missiles. And he hates our country. AK-47s by the tens of thousands. Last time I checked, they're semi-automatic, Joe. 
No questions, no pushback, no nothing. This is the best we could do, they say. And that's why Mr. Whalen, the Marine who's been there four years now, says he's in a precarious position and suggest that we get him home regardless of the price because he knows the big enchilada has already been traded for the basketball player who wouldn't stand for the national anthem. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, our great nation was founded on the principle of all men are created equal. But far too many of our nation's colleges and universities, including those in the so-called Ivy League, continue to insist on using race as a factor for admissions. And the Supreme Court is deciding a case on this subject right now. But there's a unique American college that doesn't discriminate based on race. It never has, and it never will. And it's my favorite college, Hillsdale College. Hillsdale was founded in 1844 to educate, quote, all persons, irrespective of nationality, color, or sex, unquote. It continues that policy today, admitting students on the strength of their character, ability, and intentions, not their heritage or background. My friend Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College, recently published an article explaining Hillsdale's colorblind policies and its related refusal of government funding, even indirectly in the form of federal student aid. Read it for yourself at levinforhillsdale.com. And after you read it, you may even want to support Hillsdale with a year-end gift. So please go read Dr. Arn's article today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. So Van Jones is a disaster. He's on CNN today. And what does he have to say about all this? Cut 10, go. This is huge. This is huge. First of all, uh, that's a decade-defining image. Uh, when you saw uh, her wife sitting there, Kamala Harris is there, the president's there, such a human image. And yet, it just shows uh, this president got it done. Uh, he cared enough about this individual person to get her home. It was shocking, for the, I think, for young Americans to see an icon like that, snatched, locked up, uh, treated like garbage. Uh, and, and she was never, nine years, 10 years for bringing some cannabis oil. Medical, was, medically medical, prescribed. Medically prescribed. So that, these are decade defining images. I guarantee you there are going to be young people 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now who will remember this moment because she is an icon. And you know what, Van Jones? I guarantee you that people are going to die as a result of this particularly throughout the third world that you claim to care about. Because many thousands have already died at the hands of this brutal arms dealing terrorist. And it's interesting to me what your myopic focus is on here. It really is. And this is exactly what I mean by the left, particularly in the media. They're human beings and they're human beings. And what about Mr. Whalen, the Marine? What if this trade had been made for Mr. Whalen and Brittany Griner was behind? What would Van Jones say then? Racism. What would the media say then? We know. So for the left, some lives are more important than others. And in every case, you've got to make a political point. Either for or against. They don't really talk about the best interests of the United States of America by releasing somebody like this. No, 
It's about a community, the LGBTQ community. As if this man, with these weapons, is going to make very, very sure that he doesn't kill gay people, or transgendering people, or bisexual people, or lesbians. He's going to be very, very careful about that when he's handing out tens of thousands of AK-47s. Or ground-to-air missiles. And this is the kind of commentary we get. Asinine. Political. Ideological. These are clowns. These are fools. A mass murder was just let loose. An administration that claims to be concerned about too many guns on the streets. The politics first, baby. That's the way it works. And according to Van Jones and Don Lemon and the Biden White House, this is what America's all about. It's time to celebrate. And Biden got it done. Biden got nothing done, you damn fool. They buckled to this. They buckled to this. And you know damn well that if she wasn't of the left, she wasn't an iconic basketball player. If she wasn't a cause celeb, Mr. Whalen's not a cause celeb. He's not an iconic figure of any kind. That this wouldn't have happened. You and I know that. And so they're basically celebrating the release of a mass murder. Who's going to murder more? Including black people, brown people, white people, gay people, transitioning people. May I say, straight people, won't matter. It won't matter. We'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. I try to stay ahead of the curve here. Try to see what's coming down the road. Not sort of a telepathic thing, but hearing the things and watching the things. And next week, I believe it is, the budget issue comes to a head, Mr. Producer. And so you're going to start hearing about a government shutdown as we have every every time this happens. Uh, and so they will try and put a gun to our heads. Demand that we accept a two, three, four, five thousand page omnibus spending bill. The Democrats will at the least. With all kinds of stuff stuck in there. You know, like the six hundred dollar deal was stuck into their last um their last massive spending bill because we're not in a representative republic anymore. We're not in a representative republic anymore. You're not allowed to know what they're voting on. Even members of the Senate aren't allowed to know what they're voting on. 
And you're going to hear about, oh, isn't it awful? This is shut down. That's shut down. What are we going to do? We're going to continue with our lives. The government's been shut down 20 times in the past, ladies and gentlemen, 20 times. And here we are. And they never suffer. Most of their employees never suffer. They always get a payback. That's not what happens in the private sector, is it, when there's a shutdown? They don't catch up on your payment. Oh, you've been out three weeks? Okay. That doesn't work in the private sector. And I want you to remember one other thing. We've experienced something else over the past few years, and that's a private sector shutdown ordered by governors, supported by the Democrats, supported by the Chinese-associated American bureaucrats, that is, the medical fascists in Washington, D.C., at the CDC, at the NIH, at the Infectious Disease Office, and all the rest of them. Many of you lost your jobs, many of you lost your businesses, many of you lost your homes, some people lost their lives. Well, many lost their lives. And so a government shutdown, just keep this in mind, all these networks are centered in one of two places, Washington, D.C. or New York City. They're one, a train ride away from the other. And most of the people who've been reporters in Washington become reporters in New York and vice versa. They feed from the same hiring trough. That's what they do. You have to work your way up and demonstrate that you're a leftist. So the government shutdown will be treated like, well, like an earthquake. And you'll hear it. This check won't go out. That check won't go out. When it came to the private sector in 2020, it was all about, well, do you want to be part of the solution or part of the problem? In fact, many states used law enforcement to enforce their shutdowns, to prevent people from going to church or synagogue, to prevent people from going to uh, gun shops, to prevent people from going where they didn't want them to go, except, of course, you were free to go wherever the government wanted you to go, including the alcohol stores in many cases that are owned by the government. So a government shutdown will be portrayed as the nation going bankrupt, missing debt payments, all lies. All lies. Whereas the private sector shutdown was portrayed as righteous and for the benefit of the society. And it's coming unless they pass some horrific spending bill that we can't afford. And I will have to explain again on the air for the hundredth time why we will not go bankrupt and why we will not miss debt payments. Here's a little hint. This government takes in about 320 to $330 billion a month. When the government shuts down, quote-unquote, it continues to take in tax proceeds. You're not prevented or stopped from paying your taxes. Most of the people at the Internal Revenue Service are considered essential employees, so they can continue to gather your money. So that money comes in no matter what. That's number one. See, I got myself started here. Number two. The good faith and credit clause of the Constitution is found in 
the post-Civil War amendments. Good faith and credit clause has absolutely nothing to do with what goes on today about the budget. It had to do with paying off the war debt from the Civil War. That's it. Number three. Social Security, Medicare, and veterans benefits are specifically excluded under federal law, federal statute. When the government, quote unquote, shuts down. And yet they will try to scare the hell out of all of you. Number five, when Paul Ryan used to be a serious individual and came on this program, he made it abundantly clear that 17% of the government actually shuts down when they have a shutdown. 83% of the government continues. But we saw from Obama and other Democrats that they try and make it as painful as possible and as visible as possible. So they work with the same corrupt media, which is also based, again, in the Washington and New York areas. But they work with the same corrupt media, most of the national network media, which is in Washington. To show you a park that shut down, a little Sally, a little Frank, a little transitioning Sally Frank. How they went to the park and it was closed. They ever do that when we had the Democrat governor shutting down the states? They ever show anything like, of course not. Because the media are corrupt. It's the American profit, as I say over and over again. So this will come to the fore. And uh, then we'll see what the Republicans in the Senate do. McConnell has been desperately trying to get some kind of deal with Schumer, but apparently Schumer's pushing a little too hard. So they might push for a short-term continuing resolution, which is in fact what they should do. Why? Because the Republican majority is coming to town on January 3rd. And as I told you the other evening, never in modern American history, has a lame duck Congress passed an omnibus bill, thereby preventing the new Congress for an entire fiscal year from having any say in the spending bill. And keep in mind, that's what McConnell wants. He wants to work with Pelosi and Schumer if he can. But Pelosi and Schumer are going to make it tough for him because they're trying to shake the Republicans down for everything they can get. You can thank the 37 Republicans who voted for McConnell in the Senate. And by the way, McConnell's one of the 37. I think I vote for myself. I'm on the 40-yard line here. Bipartisanship, you know. Also, Elon Musk has become public enemy number two after Donald Trump is public enemy number one, as you know. And the Democrats are gearing up to try and destroy him because the Democrat Party is a vicious, vile, increasingly Stalinist party with a Marxist agenda. It's what it is. Oh, Mark, that's uh, that's so out of sorts. Really? Not in the least. Not in the least. Ed Markey and Chris Coons have announced that they want to look into Twitter. The Biden administration has said that they're going to keep an eye on Musk. Biden administration is going to unleash the Federal Trade Commission and the Antitrust Division of the Department of Justice. 
against Twitter. They're keeping an eye on it, don't you know? The San Francisco Democrats. Code violations because there's some beds at Twitter for employees who actually work overtime. Obviously, the San Francisco government's not aware of employees who work overtime. Most of them sleep in their own beds at home while they're working, working with quotes around it. And so they'll unleash their Democrat cities, their Democrat DAs, their Democrat health inspectors. They'll unleash federal law enforcement. They'll unleash federal regulatory and investigative agencies. They'll unleash their Democrat committees of Congress, certainly in the Senate, because he's now public enemy number two. Why? Because he supports free speech. And because he's digging into the files and releasing them and showing how the Democrats and the left primarily were working with Twitter to interfere in the election. How Twitter was working with the Federal Bureau of Instigation, a.k.a. the Stasi, to do exactly the same thing. And we can't have that. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Tired of overpaying woke wireless companies? How about this? Get talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Yes, on the same network, the same towers, with the same coverage as the other guys, but for half the price. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Hallelujah. Friends, this is great news. You can start saving today without having to sacrifice on coverage. How do I know? I'm a customer. Plus, listen to all the other benefits you get. A U.S.-based customer service team to make your switch even easier. You're supporting a veteran-owned business. And here's the best part. When you go to puretalk.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST, You'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's right. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, podcast, and you can be switched over in as little as 10 minutes. Switch to a company that shares your values. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, podcast, to save 50% off your first month. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. It's a pleasure to have with us Senator Tom Cotton, a great patriot. Senator Cotton, Joe Biden just released a man onto the world who is responsible for the death of thousands. Thousands. He is the greatest, in this sense I mean most horrendous arms dealer that's ever existed. He's armed terrorists, militia groups, civil wars, particularly in Africa where there's a lot of African individuals, a lot of black people who have been slaughtered as a result of what he's done. And um, he wants to be celebrated today. And I'm, I'm reading the Huffington Post and I'm watching and, and CNN's going on about how important this is because uh, the, the, the American who's been returned is LGBTQ and a black person. What the hell does that have to do with anything? Well, Mark, it doesn't have anything to do with anything. And I think you're right to stress just what a monster Victor Boot the merchant of death is. Um, you're right, he's responsible for deaths of thousands. He's responsible for much more than that. Amputations, torture, rape, child soldiers uh, across the continent of Africa, as well as Latin America and Asia, too. And there's a reason why Vladimir Putin has wanted him released for the last 10 years. 
Remember, Victor Boot's only 55 years old. This is not a decrepit old man who is dying in prison. Uh, this is someone that is going to be right back in the heart of the Kremlin, working with Vladimir Putin and other mercenary leaders on his war in Ukraine and his consistent undermining of American interests around the world. So irrespective of who we uh, received in return for Victor Boot, uh, we should not have released him because he is going to wreak havoc against the United States and against Americans, and it creates incredibly dangerous precedent for the future. If Joe Biden will release the merchant of death if you detain an American and imprison them, who won't he release? I mean, at Mm -hmm. one point, Victor Boot was the second most wanted man after Osama bin Laden. So the uh, danger that our uh, Americans traveling abroad are exposed to just rose significantly today because of Joe Biden's short-sighted and dangerous swap. And wasn't he interested in getting and, in fact, um, sharing ground-to-air missiles to knock out airliners? Yes, he was. In fact, what he and what he ultimately was arrested for, the way we finally nabbed him, was you had uh, informants and agents um, portraying themselves as FARC rebels who were going to shoot down American drug enforcement personnel, and he was going to sell anti-aircraft missiles to them. That's when the gig was finally up on Victor Boot a little over a decade ago. This is the kind of man we're talking about. He's not simply selling small arms weapons into street gangs in Haiti. I mean, he is trafficking in anti-aircraft missiles, in heavy mechanized armory like tanks and fighting vehicles and artillery, and he is doing so, again, not just for murder, but rape and torture and dismemberment and amputation and child soldiers. Under no circumstances should the merchant of death have been released. And and I just want to say again, if you're Vladimir Putin or Xi Jinping or Kim Jong-un or Iran or Venezuela, and you see Joe Biden releasing the merchant of death, who wouldn't we release? What concession would we not grant if you detain a single American unjustly? And why this particular hostage? I mean, you've got a man who's been there now four years. He's a former Marine. You've got other Americans who are over there, too. And Biden makes this swap. I mean, it smells like politics all over the place to me, Senator Cotton. Well, Mark, the White House has claimed that Russia said it was uh, Victor Boot for Brittany Griner or nothing at all. Uh, I think that is an area that is rich for uh, congressional oversight next month when Republicans take charge in the House. Maybe that's the case, but maybe it wasn't the case. I've also heard reports uh, in recent weeks that it was a one-for-one swap either way. And and there is a distinction as well between Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan. Uh, Brittany Griner confessed to a crime. Now, you may think that crime is unjust. It's foolish. Her sentence was excessively harsh. The conditions of her confinement were too harsh. And and you have a a strong case to say all those things. Um, Paul Whelan was accused of spying. And and Mark, as you know, any time a rogue nation detains an American unjustly to gain leverage against the United States, what do they always accuse them of? They always accuse them of spying without evidence and without justification. 
Furthermore, Paul Whelan has been held in confinement in Russia for four years. Now, neither he nor Brittany Griner in the military, he once was, but is no more. So the Uniform Code of Military Justice doesn't apply, but I think there is an applicable moral principle when you're talking about Americans detained unjustly, and that's first in, first out. Um, when you're de- negotiating for hostages, you'd like to get them all back. You'd like to get them all back immediately. But I also think you have to consider the circumstances of why they're being detained and how long they've been detained. Now, I wouldn't have traded Victor Boot for anyone, um, but I do think this is an area that's uh, ripe for oversight in a couple weeks when Republicans take charge in the Congress. Uh, Rich, I want you to play for Senator Cotton that, that audio clip uh, from Mr. Whalen. Cut six. Go ahead. I would say that if um, a message could go to President Biden that um, you know this is a precarious situation that needs to be resolved quickly, and um, I would hope that he and his administration would do everything they could to get me home, um, regardless of the price they might have to pay at this point. Now I'll tell you how I interpret that, Senator. He's saying. And he's not playing around. He's picking his words very carefully. This is a precarious situation, needs to be resolved quickly, and pay whatever you need to pay at this point. Do you think he's being threatened? Do you think his life is in danger directly now? Because that's what I take from that. Of course, you would never put that past Vladimir Putin uh, and his rogue regime in the Kremlin. Um, Now, our State Department, our representatives in Moscow are supposed to have routine and unfettered access to him. Again, you wouldn't expect it to be actually unfettered. Paul Whelan should have never been detained. Paul Whelan was not an American spy. He should have been returned four years ago. Um, again, I, I wouldn't have traded Victor Boot for anyone, but the, the Biden administration, in my opinion, should have focused more on getting him out from the very beginning because of the circumstances and the length of his detention. I hate, I hate to do this to you. If you're free, I'd like to hold you over for a few more minutes. I have a couple more questions. If not, I understand. Yeah, sure thing, Mark. All right. We'll be right back. Tired of overpaying woke wireless companies? How about this? Get talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Yes, on the same network, the same towers, with the same coverage as the other guys, but for half the price. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Hallelujah. Friends, this is great news. You can start saving today without having to sacrifice on coverage. How do I know? I'm a customer. Plus, listen to all the other benefits you get. A U.S.-based customer service team to make your switch even easier. You're supporting a veteran-owned business. And here's the best part. When you go to puretalk.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST, You'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's right. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, podcast, and you can be switched over in as little as 10 minutes. Switch to a company that shares your values. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, podcast, to save 50% off your first month. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. here with Senator Tom Cotton. Senator Tom Cotton, are you concerned, as I am, that we have committees of Congress, usually run by the Democrats, are going far afield from legislative overfight, oversight, like now they want to target Elon Musk. And Schumer made an announcement today that now that they control the committees, 
They're going to go after companies over climate change. And so they basically take their radical political agenda and they launder it through the legislative oversight process. That's not what Congress is supposed to be doing, is it? No, Mark, it's not. And I mean, you know, Elon Musk has companies that have launched highly classified payloads for the Department of Defense in the outer space. Yet now that he controls Twitter, the liberal media's preferred social media platform and is not censoring center-right views anymore, all of a sudden they want to investigate him and call him a threat to national security. Um, and I do think that you can expect uh, that we're likely to see the Democrats used the oversight power to try to harass and intimidate and pressure corporate executives. Now, in many cases, let's be honest, these corporate executives are kind of their allies, so they're going to call them up mm-hmm. and you know rough them up, and when in reality, it's the Democratic Party's donors and their social friends and their classmates and so forth. But you, you know, demonstrated the, the other day with Kroger. Yeah. yeah, we had the Kroger and the Albertson CEOs in front of our committee, and the Democrats just kept harassing them about the merger of those two companies. I, I don't have a strong opinion on the merger of those two companies from an economic standpoint or perspective of antitrust law. I haven't studied it closely yet. But I will say this. I mean, I just see a common pattern where corporate CEOs who subject their employees to religious discrimination, as two Arkansans whom I represent faced at Kroger because they didn't want to wear a gay pride symbol, um, or they censor the views of our voters, their big tech companies, come running to Republicans in Washington expecting us to protect them because we are traditionally more supportive of the free enterprise system. And, and I told him publicly what I've been telling the CEOs privately for a long time. When the Demo- Democrats put you on the block for higher taxes or for more regulation or for unfair scrutiny and, and oversight that goes beyond legitimate constitutional roles, and you come running to us and expect us to protect you, all I'm going have to have to say is, I'm so sorry that's happening to you, and I wish you the best of luck. Don't you think it's shocking, though, from the uh, from the from the uh, press room right outside the Oval Office that the press secretary to Biden and Biden himself say they're going to keep an eye on this guy and his company, and also uh, that sends a signal to all the massive resources the federal government has and all the departments it uses to target this guy. Yeah, and it does show the kind of the authoritarian bent and instincts of the progressive left, Mark, as you've written about in so many cases. And you've written about. I just want to stress again. Well, thank you. I want to stress again, though. Elon Musk started a company that launches highly classified payloads in the outer space for the Department of Defense. If these Democrats thought that he was somehow a security risk, then perhaps they should have raised it before now, before he bought their favorite social media company and stopped censoring center-right views. I think it kind of gives away the game that they were perfectly fine when SpaceX was launching all these payloads for the Department of Defense. Only they began to have concerns about it when he bought Twitter. Mm-hmm. I think he's public enemy number two. I think Trump's probably public enemy number one, but he's public enemy number two. And I'm really getting tired of this targeting of individuals. And then the law, federal law enforcement kicks in, and then the federal investigative agencies, the regulatory agencies kick in, and, and then the media run with it. I mean, we're seeing a pattern here, in my view, in many respects, don't you think? Yeah, and, and you see it, and, and not just on you know famous celebrities like Donald Trump or Elon Musk, but you see it down to normal Americans um, who are being targeted by the FBI and the Department of Justice. You know, we all remember uh, the parents who were 
characterized as domestic terrorists by the attorney general and had the FBI sticked on them or some pro-life activists yeah, yeah. who were uh, have been arrested and charged with the grave sin of singing hymns in front of abortion mills, yet the police or the FBI showed up in SWAT gear at their homes in the morning, kicking down doors as if they were drug dealers who were going to flush the evidence down the toilet. Um, mm-hmm. Again, these are all areas that are ripe for oversight. And for two years, the Department of Justice has gotten away with minimal oversight. Um, and, and I think that's going to stop come January. Well, keep up the good fight. Uh, you and I share almost every opinion now. It's pretty weird. But I want to thank you for everything that you do there, Senator. Thank you. All right. Take care of yourself. Yeah, substantively, we do. We share an awful lot of views that are... All right. uh, It turns out that we have Twitter Files Part 2 taking place right now. I got that. Yep. Twitter's secret blacklist, it's called. Barry Weiss, who used to work over there at the New York Slimes. By the way... Did you see 1,100 employees are striking at the New York Slimes, Mr. Producer? They say they... You read that piece I sent you? They said they haven't had a salary increase in 20 months. So apparently the editorial writers at the New York Times and the other employees at the New York Times are not really in sync. Because it's one thing when the New York Times writes about what everybody else should do, but it's quite another thing when it's virtually all white ownership is actually in charge of the Treasury. I thought they liked unions, Mr. Producer. Now, I have to confess, I like it when liberals are fighting liberals. And as far as I'm concerned, I want to encourage the union members who are on strike, stay out. Don't go back. Don't let the New York Times rip you off. They're the man. They're the system. Workers of the world, workers of the New York Times, unite. Stay out. Shut them down. Show them what the proletariat can do to the bourgeoisie. Do it. You can do this. You have my complete support here on on national radio. We throw our support behind the strikers, the workers. I guess they're workers. Is that what they do over there? But anyway, the workers over there at the New York Times. Keep them closed. Teach them a lesson. I've got your back. Better yet, I'll give you air cover right here. All right. Barry Weiss thread the Twitter elite files part two, Twitter's secret blacklists. There's not much there, but there is this. A new Twitter files investigation reveals that teams of Twitter employees built blacklists, prevent disfavored tweets from trending, actively limit the visibility of entire accounts or even trending topics, all in secret, without informing users. Number two, Twitter once had a mission, quote, to give everyone the power to create and share ideas and information instantly without barriers, unquote. Along the way, barriers nevertheless were erected. Number three. Take, for example, Stanford's Dr. J. Bhattacharya, who argued that COVID lockdowns would harm children. Twitter secretly placed him on, quote, trends blacklist, unquote, 
which prevented his tweets from trending. Seems to me like the old Twitter would have done very, very well in communist China or fascistic Iran. And this is reflective of the hard left, ladies and gentlemen. And this is why the Democrats are now going after Elon Musk and Twitter. They loved it before. And it tells me the Democrats knew everything that was going on. They were in on it. This is election interference. This is free speech destruction. It is shocking the extent to which the corrupt media pretends this is nothing and all but ignore it. This is historic what's taking place here. You have a man who's the richest or the second or the third richest man in the world who's put everything on the line, who's taken his money. This is not a great investment. Who bought Twitter. Not to make an enormous profit, but because he's a believer in speech, freedom, ideas. He's an entrepreneur. And he's one of the few wealthy men who put their money where their mouth is. And he put tens of billions of his dollars where his mouth is. And but for him, we would have none of this. Elon Musk is a whistleblower on his own company. And he's using reporters as a way to get to and screen the information. He's not even involved specifically and in any detailed way. They are. And there's got to be an enormous amount of information. We've since learned that some information was destroyed and deleted. And of course, we've since learned that the general counsel for the FBI who was disgraced, who was disgraced, and he was the deputy general counsel at Twitter, where all this information was being vetted, laundered through him, and as soon as Musk found out, thanks to this Barry Weiss, he fired his ass. That's all we have right now. But what we do know is there were blacklists. And people were blacklisted and they didn't even know it. And they prevented them from having their, their tweets. Their tweets spread. From trending. This is... The same that communist operations do. This is American Pravda. This is what I call it. This is what I call it. We're going to dig in and grab some more of this tweeting that's going on. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Tired of overpaying woke wireless companies? How about this? Get talk, text, and blazing fast data, just 30 bucks a month. Yes, on the same network, the same towers, with the same coverage as the other guys, but for half the price. 
Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Hallelujah. Friends, this is great news. You can start saving today without having to sacrifice on coverage. How do I know? I'm a customer. Plus, listen to all the other benefits you get. A U.S.-based customer service team to make your switch even easier. You're supporting a veteran-owned business. And here's the best part. When you go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. You'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's right. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N, podcast, and you can be switched over in as little as 10 minutes. Switch to a company that shares your values. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVIN, podcast, to save 50% off your first month. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. As you folks know, I resigned from Twitter when we started to get efforts to censor us. And I'm glad I did. Some of our other friends did not, as you know. And I want to tell you about what's being said now. From the top, Barry Weiss thread, the Twitter Files Part 2, Twitter's secret blacklist. A new Twitter Files investigation reveals that teams of Twitter employees built Blacklists prevented disfavored tweets from trending, actively limited the visibility of entire accounts or even trending topics, all in secret, without informing the users. Twitter once had a mission to give everyone the power to create and share ideas and information instantly without barriers. Quote, along the way, barriers nevertheless were erected. Take, for example, Stanford's Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, who argued that COVID lockdowns would harm children. Twitter secretly placed him on a trends blacklist which prevented his tweets from trending. Or consider the popular right-wing show host, Dan Bongino, at D. Bongino, who at one point was slapped with a search blacklist, quote-unquote. Twitter set the account of conservative activist Charlie Kirk at CharlieKirk11 to do not amplify. Twitter denied it does such things. In 2018... Twitter's Vyaj Agati, the then head of the legal policy and trust, and she plays a big role in all of this. And Kanvan Bayapur, head of product, said, we do not show ban. They added, and we certainly don't shadow ban based on political viewpoints or ideology, so they lied. What many people call shadow banning, Twitter executives and employees call visibility filtering, or VF. Multiple high-level sources confirmed its meeting. Think about visibility filtering as being a way for us to suppress what people see to different levels. It's a very powerful tool, one senior Twitter employee told us. VF refers to Twitter's control over user visibility. It used VF to block searches of individual users, to limit the scope of particular tweets' discoverability, to block select users' posts from ever appearing on the trending page, and from inclusion in hashtag searches, all without the user's knowledge. Quote, we control visibility quite a bit, and we control the amplification of your content quite a bit. And normal people do not know how much we do, unquote, one Twitter engineer told us. Two additional Twitter employees confirmed it. That's what we have so far. Now, I want you to think about something. If this is going on, or went on, I should say, in Twitter, and that's the culture, what do you think goes on at Facebook, Instagram, and Google? What do you think goes on at the New York Times, the Washington Post, the L.A. Times? What do you think goes on at NBC News, 
ABC News, CBS News. What do you think goes on at CNN and MSNBC? Exactly the same mindset. Exactly the same mindset. That's what goes on. And then they try to shut down any alternative views or thoughts or positions. Which is why they work overtime to try and shut Fox down. Not just boycott its advertisers now, but prevent it from having platforms. You remember multiple Democrats in the House sent the letter to AT&T and Verizon and these other companies, Comcast, and said that they need to deplatform Fox. You remember that? How many times have they taken a run at me or talk radio generally or took a run at, uh, at Rush and Sean? How many times? They're trying to shut us down. Because what's going on in Twitter, or what went on, I should say, is what's going on everywhere. It's totalitarian. And it's from within the so-called media. You see, the left, the Marxists, have taken over the media. We will continue our pursuit of justice in the American world. This is why I believe Elon Musk, politics aside, is a hero. I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government. And they report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true. And I was shocked when I read the secret war on cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution, against all freedom-loving Americans. So you need to read The War on Cash. Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. Now, this war on cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret War on Cash free to my listeners by calling now, 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. We have more of the tweeting that's taking place. The Twitter Files Part 2, Twitter's secret blacklist. I want to remind you, our Sunday show on Life, Liberty, and Levin is a very important, a killer show, really. We get deeply into this Twitter issue. We get deeply into the issue of the Biden crime family um, in ways that I don't think you've heard before. And we're going to have Miranda Devine as well as Peter Schweitzer, two of the great experts on all these issues. And as you know, it's a long-form interview, so you'll get to hear what they have to say. And I would encourage you, if you don't think you're going to be able to watch 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Central, set your DVRs now. Set your DVRs now for 8 p.m. Eastern time, because you're not going to want to miss this show. And, of course, my opening statement. Now, we're going to continue where we left off. I can't continue reading the entire thread, but this is Barry Weiss, who formerly worked at the New York Times, but left there 
because of their uh, censorship and their covering and their partisanship. She said the group that decided whether to limit the reach of certain users was the Strategic Response Team, Global Escalation Team, or the SRT-GET. It often handled up to 200 cases a day. This is the blacklisting that took place. But there existed a level beyond official ticketing, beyond the rank-and-file moderators, following the company's policy on paper. That is the Site Integrity Policy, Policy Escalation Support, known as SIPES. Now look how significant and serious this was, giving themselves all these titles and names and operations. So this was a thorough, thorough censorship operation of people with whom they disagreed, which is conservatives, Republicans, scientific experts that, that questioned what Washington was doing. This secret group included head of legal policy and trust, here we are again, Vijaya Gotti, she has her hands in everything. The global head of trust and safety, Yol Roth, he has his hands in everything. Subsequent CEOs, Jack Dorsey and Parag Agwal and others. This is where the biggest, most politically sensitive decisions got made. Quote, think high follower account, controversial, unquote, another Twitter employee told us. For these, there would be no ticket or anything. In other words, send it upstairs and just shut it. One of the accounts that rose to this level of scrutiny was at Libsoft TikTok. Libs of TikTok. Oh, we know Libs of TikTok. Libs of TikTok. An account that was on the trends blacklist and was designated as do not take action or use it without consulting with SIPES. That is the highest executives, the highest executives at Twitter. Libs of TikTok. The account which Chaya Rachik began in November 2020 and now boasts over 1.4 million followers was subjected to six suspensions in 2022 alone. Raychek says each time Raychek was blocked from posting for as long as a week. Twitter repeatedly informed Raychek that she had been suspended for violating Twitter's policy against quote-unquote hateful conduct. But in an internal SIPES memo, that is, again, the highest level execs, from October 2022... Last time I checked, that's just a few months ago. And her seventh suspension. The committee acknowledged that Libs of TikTok has not directly, and I quote, engaged in behavior violative of the hateful conduct policy. So they knew in internal memos that they had not violated the internal hateful conduct policy. But they suspended them a seventh time. They're doing the work of the Democrat Party. They're doing the work of the Biden campaign and the Biden White House. That's what's going on here. It's clear as day. That's why the Democrats all want to investigate now Elon Musk. That's why they want to sick, you know, the investigative agencies and the resources of the federal government. That's why we really want to know how this came down, this thing, you know, and, and, and how, they, how he bought Twitter. And we, we also want to know about his connections. And we want to know this and we want to know that. Because the Stalinist bastards who run the Democrat Party 
cannot tolerate the truth. Because the truth exposes them. Now just imagine for a minute. If we had the texts and the emails of Nancy Pelosi during the, the January 6th committee hearings. Just imagine. What's that? Oh, we have Dan Bongino, one of my dear friends. Radio host extraordinary. Dan Bongino, you're a very dangerous man. Did you know that, sir? Uh, apparently, uh, apparently Jack Dorsey and the Twitter crew. Does. So I'm sorry, I, I would have called it earlier, Mark, but no my problem. phone was in total meltdown mode and I was almost out of battery. So uh, my apologies. But yeah, no, I, listen, Mark, I know this. I knew this that we were shadow banned the entire time because, you know, like you, I have, I have a radio show, not nearly as good as yours, but I oh, get a lot on. of feedback from listeners. No, it's true. And they email me and they send me Facebook messages and they would tell me with my podcast and radio show and other appearances, you know, this is a, a, a while ago. They'd say things like, hey, Dan, you know, we can't find you on the platform. It's really weird. And then, you know, I was told, Mark, by a bunch of liberal a-holes and dipwads out there that that's just another conspiracy theory that, you know, you and I are a bunch of screamers and crazy howlers and we're just nuts, and that, you know, they're really the good benevolent soldiers amongst us, and you and I, the liberty warriors out there for freedom of speech, that we're just making this up. And as it turns out, you and crazy old me, again, another conspiracy theory came true, Mark. So I'm going to need new conspiracy theories, because yeah. all of our old conspiracy theories, remember when Brian Stelter said you were a nut for saying Trump was spied on? So there's oh, yeah. another conspiracy theory. So we're going to need some help from the audience with new conspiracy theories because all the old ones have now come to fruition and materialized into strangely into reality. Unbelievable. Now, Dan, we know damn well. And I resigned from Twitter when they kept screwing around for me. I had enough. Of, you, you duked it out with these guys. Let me just say this. If this has gone on at Twitter, it's been going on at Facebook, Instagram, Google, all the rest of them, the New York Times, the Washington Post, goes on with the the major networks in the country they're the same mindset the same bastards wouldn't you agree well mark i've already been banned from youtube and canceled from google and i got canceled from youtube for saying that cloth and surgical masks don't work which is not that's a fact by the way which is now scientific fact. i was banned from youtube and google she took their ad service. They kicked us off their ad service on our website for the same thing. So I don't, I don't know how I became public enemy number one. I, I'm, I'm being sincere about that. I really have no idea. You know, I don't know what I, what I did or, or what I did. But I'll tell you now, um, tonight's really been a kind of revelatory moment for me because I always knew that I wanted to fight this fight. And if they think for a second, like little things like a shadow ban and this stuff was going to piss me off, now that I've been vindicated there's a reckoning coming for me because now it's just re-energized me in this fight and it lets me know that i've got all the right enemies i mean you've got all the right enemies it's just all the motivation i i need you know to keep kicking ass man i'm i'm kind of tired of it. i'm really getting tired of this stuff i mean we're living in you know kim jong-un north korea yeah. this is like pol pot soviet union stuff mark i mean they didn't even have the cojones are these people now, at least they, you know, these people now pretend to be freedom fighters on the left, wearing the mask of fascism and socialism. At least the old socialists, they were just honest with you. They just get the jackbooted thugs out. They didn't care. I mean, this is really incredible that this is supposed to be a constitutional republic. 
I mean, this is insane that we're at the point now where we're not looking for, you know, uh, crimes in search of people anymore. We're looking for, we just hunt down a group of people, you and I, and then we search for the crime later. That's what's right. happening right now. You agree with me that Elon Musk really is a great patriot. You don't have to agree with him, but he's put his money where his mouth is. Twitter's not a great investment. He's lost money. But this guy, now they're going to focus on him and target him, the Democrats and the bureaucracy, the Biden administration, the Democrats on Capitol Hill. The mob is being formed. Yeah, Adam Schiff. And again, Mark, they're not hiding it. I mean, you have to remember, you know, people, I get this all the time, and I, I tire of it quickly when they say, Oh, you know, the left are hypocrites. Yeah, no, no kidding, they're hypocrites. We, we know they're hypocrites. That's not the point. The point is they're, they're totalitarians and authoritarians don't care about hypocrisy. They're, they're, they're hierarchical Marxists. And what, Mark, think about it. When Che Guevara threw the guys up against La Pared, the wall, and shot yeah. them, he didn't really care that the parents of the dead said, wow, you guys are really hypocrites. That's not how hierarchical totalitarians exactly. work. They get power at Twitter and Facebook. They ban you, and then they tell you, kiss my caboose. I don't really care what you think about it. I'm an authoritarian. Now they got caught, and the same authoritarians, Adam Schiff and the rest of that goon squad, are going to, yes, double down on authoritarianism. Because you're going to say, yeah, would you, well, well, no, they don't know any different. This is their mm-hmm. entire guiding ethos. There's nothing else out there for them. Let me just say this. You're a great patriot. You're a great friend. You're a great radio host, and I love you, buddy. And keep up the fight. You're, yeah, you've been there from, with me from the beginning, and you were my first call on this. So there you go. Thank God you. God bless Thanks you. Thanks for man. having me on. You too. You too. The great Dan Bongino, he was targeted by the former twits at Twitter. We'll be right back. Mark in. Senator Mike Braun is a senator from Indiana. He's got a business background. He brings that background to his work in the United States Senate. And Senator Braun, welcome to the program. As I understand it, you are a supporter of Article 5 Convention of the States. Is that correct? I sure am, Mark, and you shouldn't need to be because it should all be done through regular uh, budget uh, committee meetings, uh, doing the things that Congress is supposed to do. But we've been derelict on that subject uh, for a long time, probably 10, 11 years since we've passed a budget, and even longer than that when we've done one and, and adhered to it. So I guess it wasn't two decades ago uh, that we were still mostly trying to be fiscally sound and put a couple wars on the credit card and the next administration doubles down. And, you know, if, they're gonna, if Republicans do that, uh, Obama, you know, started spending on domestic stuff. And then since then, it's been a spending frenzy where, I'm an appropriator and on the budget committee. Of course, Bernie Sanders gavels us in for a budget meeting, and there hasn't been one meeting in two years about Holy. budget mechanics. Wow. Two years. Yeah, we haven't, met, we haven't met on the subject of doing a budget. It was be some woke topic or another when we do meet. And then the appropriators, who actually are now this omnibus uh, discussion, uh, they are supposed to have that done even if you don't have a budget by the end of the fiscal year. Well, the fiscal year was over September 30th, 
here a couple months ago. So it is a complete farce. Uh, it'd be different if we weren't 31 trillion in debt. And when I got here just four years ago, we were 18 trillion Holy in debt. Man. That was approaching World War II levels, but we were savers and investors, not spenders and consumers like we are now. And think about that. We paid off the debt, built the interstate highway system. That was that greatest generation. Uh, we're not that anymore. This is shocking. And when you considered unfunded liabilities, I mean, I don't know how we claw our way out of oh, this. That so, you know, even, oh, that's, yeah. yeah, that's three to four times our actual sovereign debt. So uh, it's gotten completely out of hand. And the people that are here shrug their shoulders at it. I debated Bernie Sanders on the Senate floor, one of the highlights of my four years here so far on the modern monetary theory. And you know what that's a debate on? Uh, that deficits do make a difference in annual debt will come home to roost. Bernie had nothing of it, no no good reasons other than you can get by with it and you can do it. They're at least unapologetic about it. Uh, they're political enterprisers and they have no um, remorse about borrowing money from our kids and grandkids to spend it on their latest and greatest idea. I mean, it's it's shameful. You know, Tom Coburn was a fiscal conservative, much like yourself, from Oklahoma. Unfortunately, he died not too long ago, and he left the Senate. And he joined the Convention of States movement, and he said, I don't know how else we control this. He said, I've been in the House, I've been in the Senate, we have fought and fought and fought. I don't get information 90% of the time, you know, when the leadership's working on it, and then all of a sudden, here's a 3,000-page omnibus bill, vote up or down, or we're going to shut the government down. He said, I had enough of it. I couldn't change it. I couldn't fix it. So I want to embrace convention of states. And he spent the rest of his life working on that. Is that kind of your attitude? It is. And when Tom was doing it, he had real foresight because I think he left the Senate in about 2011, somewhere in there. And our probably debt was maybe between 10 and 15 trillion, uh, probably closer to 10. And he now, uh, I don't know what he'd think at 31, and our fearless leader, the uh, president, just put a blueprint for America out there, Mark, that unashamedly puts us $45 trillion in debt in 10 years. In other words, oh they, are, God. they are uh, $1.5 trillion deficits in the only budget that's been put out there by the White House, and it didn't get a whimper. Uh, I've done a few things to try to bring uh, attention to it, like no budget, you don't get a paycheck. Um, that got, I think, 47 votes just this year. I had to exercise a privileged motion of any senator. Rand Paul generally does it about every other year. I thought I'd join with him. And this was the balance of budget over 10 years. You know how easy that would be for any CEO. Uh, first of all, they'd be fired if they ever got into that type of debt. Uh, they'd turn it around in a year or two. But we got the printing press in the basement and a credit card that you can still use. Uh, all of that is going to start really causing pain because when you look at interest rates going up 3% on $30 trillion, that's $900 billion. And most, most of our debt is very, very short term. We currently pay $450 billion um, in interest. You add $900 billion to it. 1.5, that'll be 50% more than we either spend on defense or discretionary 
domestic spending. That's going to crowd things out. That's when we'll start feeling the pain. That's when people will quit lending us money. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the inflationary aspect of this, they play games with what's, you know, spending more money, printing more money, reduces inflation. Everybody knows that's insane. And so you look at the Weimar Republic, you look at other countries that have done this, even Venezuela and so forth. Everybody's savings are blown out. There's no, you know, you can't make capital investments. You destroy a country, no? No doubt about it. And I think this recent bout with inflation, uh, I got started in my own business when interest rates, I think our home mortgage was 10%. And had I waited a couple, three years, it would have been close to 18%. But that was a farm crisis. Uh, It was a narrow part of our economy inflated. Uh, and that changed the whole structure of agriculture. Now the most indebted part of our economy is the federal government. So I don't want to cut you off. Can you hang on a few more minutes? Sure. Yeah. All right, it's Senator Mike Braun. He's got a lot of common sense here, and we need it, particularly on the fiscal side. And we'll be right back with Senator Braun. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Senator Mike Braun, who is very concerned about the fiscal state of the country. Well, Senator, what typically happens here, and I've been around long enough, and you have, is uh, you're faced with an omnibus bill, which is several thousand pages long, all kinds of stuff snuck in there, and you're given 12 hours or 36 hours to vote up or down. There have been no regular order committee hearings. Uh, Most senators really aren't sure what's in it. They hand it to their staff to try and figure it out. Or the government's going to, quote-unquote, shut down. Isn't that pretty much the way this works, typically? It's exactly the way it works. And the sad thing is, instead of getting better over time, Mark, it's gotten worse in the four years I've been here. Because think about it, those committees, especially the Budget Committee, 
should be working as of October 1st of the new fiscal year. And, of course, that would have started back in October of 21. And here we get to September 30th of 22, and it's now standard operating procedure to do nothing. I'm an appropriator as well, which would be how you actually flesh out the spending bills of what goes into the omnibus. And there are at least 20 to 24 of us on that committee uh, split between both sides of the aisle, and we don't even meet. Uh, So this all gets done behind closed doors uh, by the two main appropriators. That's Richard Shelby and Pat Leahy from Vermont retiring and the leaders of the, um, you know, chambers. So it's dropped into a regular Senator's lap. Uh, yes. With maybe a, a few days to look at it, all kinds of junk injected into it. And it's either thumbs up or thumbs down. So I've voted against every one of them since I've been here. Um, I vote against all the bills that don't go through the proper vetting that have a fiscal or spending to it, even on policy I like, because uh, until we change it, uh, we're going to just keep piling more and more debt on future generations. Sad thing is this year, uh, they're even wanting to do it prior to uh, in this current existing Congress. I mean, we just won the House in a slim margin, and Elise McCarthy has come out and said, hey, uh, don't do an omnibus bill wait until we can get our fingerprint on it. Otherwise, it'll be a going-away present for Nancy Pelosi. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. Why would the Republicans <laughs> in the Senate agree to work with the radical leftists in their in their other party and work with Nancy Pelosi to get around the Republicans unless they want to spend a hell of a lot of money and create a hell of a lot of debt as well? Well, that's the reason, and the thing is loaded up with pork uh, earmarks, which had been gone for 10 years, and sadly, the House, with many Republicans voting for it, brought it back last year. The Senate made it optional, so not only do you get a lot of bills that never could make it through committee, uh, that if they get the uh, stamp of approval from this behind-the-scenes process, get dumped into these big bills like the NDAA, which is the defense portion of appropriations. I generally vote against that as well, and I think it's the most important thing we do. But they do no budgeting. They do no um, audits. They recently did an audit on their assets, which are supposed to be $3.5 trillion. Imagine that in the Defense Department, and they could only physically locate 39% of them. It's that kind of just gross negligence and stuff you hear and you wonder why the american public is getting fed up now the the uh control of the house of representatives has shifted from one party to another five times since 1954 in none of those cases has the lame duck congress passed a an omnibus bill it's always at least traditionally and out of respect for the voter it's always waited. It's always waited for the new party to come in. And it appears to me there's scheming going on, as we just discussed, to try and get it done now, which means the House of Representatives wouldn't actually be voting on a budget for about a year. The new House. That is true. That is true. And technically, they're talking about this to be done within the fiscal year you're talking about as well. So that's the other thing you got to keep in mind. It's gotten so bad 
over time that this gets bumped into the actual new fiscal year and not where they're supposed to be doing it, waiting until that new fiscal year begins with a year to work on it. So it's gotten really weird in both uh, cases. And the fact is most are okay with it because they get to inject their own pork in there. The earmarks that, uh, you know, total probably it's really chump change, I guess, when you look at the full bill, but it's the symbolism of it. 14 uh, to 15 billion split between the Senate and the House, and the two biggest uh, earmarkers would have been the two appropriators, Richard Shelby and Pat Leahy. So it's got all that kind of built in uh, lack of transparency and, you know, really just uh, poor process, and we end up with this. Now, there's some rumor, Senator, and you don't have to confirm or deny that you might be interested in being governor of Indiana, that you're kind of tired of this yourself. Is that rumor a rational rumor? Uh, Well, uh, I've laid the groundwork to do it, and um, I'm actually going to make that public announcement here soon. So when I came here, Mark, I worked my tail off to become a senator, and I've been trying to weigh in on fiscal stuff, do things like we do here in Indiana. We have balanced budgets. We have rainy day funds. Uh, You don't need term limits because you're held accountable by your voters. Um, But it's going to get worse in D.C. before it gets better. And I do believe that the states that run themselves well, uh, the federal you know, system we have, that'll be the salvation of the country. And then maybe some of that will rub off someday when you get enough political will in D.C. after you do get term limits and get a different kind of politician in there. Most of them we got now, Mark, have been gearing to become a senator. From the moment they got out of law school, they get into the farm system of politics. And I don't know that we send the cream of the crop out to D.C. Uh, We get folks that... uh, the founders never intended. Think about Washington and Jefferson. Uh, they could have set a bad example by serving more than just two terms. They hustled back to Mount Vernon and Monticello to their businesses and their farms, and it's so far from that, it's, uh, hard, it's hard to imagine how we get back. You know, you're very impressive. Uh, I want to thank you, Senator, and... Uh... You're very right about the states. You look at Florida, you look at Texas, you look at Tennessee, you look at some of these states where they really have their acts together. They can make a huge difference for the citizens of the state. They can attract people to move to the state. Indiana is a great state. But Indiana has gone back and forth over the years, Democrat, Republican, and so forth. So it's not like they hand you an election. It's tough. And if you choose to do that, I hope you'll come back and and, uh, we can talk about uh, that race as well. Well, I'd love to come back on the show, and um, like I say, I'll have that out there public here uh, next week, and uh, we'll try to get back on and uh, talk about a few other issues as well. All right, Senator. Have a great Christmas and New Year. God bless. Same to you, Mark. Take care. All right. Senator Mike Braun, a big supporter of Convention of States, reminds me a bit of Coburn. said, you know, enough is enough. I just can't fix this place. There's too many of the other people who don't want to fix it. And by the way, many of them are in the Republican leadership. In fact, most of them are in the Republican leadership. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
ladies and gentlemen, here is the last grouping of tweets by Barry Weiss uh, regarding Twitter, in the old Twitter, uh, and this is it for the day. In addition to what I've already read to you, and you can go back and see them yourself, the committee justified her suspensions. This is uh, libs of TikTok. They justified her suspensions internally by claiming her posts encourage online harassment of, quote, hospitals and medical providers, unquote, by insinuating, quote, that gender-affirming health care is equivalent to child abuse or grooming, unquote. Compare this to what happened when she herself, this is Raychick of libs of TikTok, was doxxed on November 21, 2022, just a few weeks ago. A photo of her home with her address was posted in a tweet that has garnered more than 10,000 likes. When Rachel told Twitter that her address had been disseminated, she says Twitter support responded with this message, quote, we reviewed the reported content and didn't find it to be in violation of the Twitter rules, unquote. No action was taken. In fact, that doxing tweet is still up there. In internal Slack messages, Twitter employees spoke of using technicalities to restrict the visibility of tweets and subject. And then they quote Yol Roth, Twitter's then global head in trust and safety in a direct message to a colleague in early 2021. In other words, they lied. They made up categories. They put these various tweets into these phony categories. They knew exactly what they were doing. They were lying, but they never thought they'd get caught. And the fact is, they have been caught. And they're going to get caught more. And they got caught because a man who was the richest man on the face of the earth, and he's now bought Twitter, so I understand he's the second or third richest now because it's not a great investment. Because a man named Elon Musk bought Twitter. Because of what? He wanted to make more money? Well, of course he did, but that's not why he bought it. He bought it, and he went through with the purchase because he believes in this country, and he believes in speech. And I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I'm not, you know, I don't, I, I don't idolize this one or that one. But this man and what he has done has done more for free speech since the First Amendment was added to our Constitution. He's done more for free speech since the First Amendment was added to our Constitution. And what we are facing right now is a tyranny. He knows it, you know it, and I know it. Where the Democrats and the government bureaucrats, whether it's the FBI or whatever agency it is, and the media, this Iron Triangle, are working together to effectively snuff out this republic and to advance their ideology. They don't want competition of ideas. China doesn't want competition of ideas. Iran doesn't want competition of ideas. North Korea doesn't want competition of ideas. Cuba doesn't want competition of ideas. Venezuela doesn't want competition of ideas, and neither does Washington, D.C. under the Democrats. And so now comes the Stalinist retribution, setting up committees like the January 6th committee, issuing subpoenas in the Senate, because now they have a 51-49 majority, using their media friends 
their media friends who are made up of exactly the same kind of individuals, executives and employees, that Twitter one, this is Twitter two, I'll call it, that Twitter one employed. Ideologues. They don't give a damn about the Constitution while they pretend that they do. Oh, we should suspend the Constitution? Tell me, when you're responding to the government like Twitter did, who's suspending the First Amendment in free speech? Who's working in the shadows to undermine the Constitution, the most important parts of it? When you have a virus and you have dictates coming out, that's when, more than ever, you need a competition of ideas. You need experts to be able to speak. You need people to be able to give their opinions. More than ever. Prior to an election, when information is being revealed about one candidate, Joe Biden, that demonstrates his DNA and his fingerprints are all over, over $30 million, that, over $30 million that family got from the communist Chinese front groups. That needs to be known by the voters. And I want to remind you, there's a piece at CNS.com. And they put it up again. Michael Chapman on December 7th. Twitter, Facebook censorship, a Biden laptop story helped steal the 2020 election. Where are they getting this information from? Right here. After the election... The Media Research Center conducted a poll with McLaughlin Associates, the national survey of 1,000 general election voters who voted in 2020 election was conducted on November 2 to 3, 2020. One of the questions asked was, at the time you cast your vote for president, when you, were you aware that evidence existed in emails, texts, eyewitness testimony, banking transactions that the FBI has been investigating since last year directly linking Joe Biden? to corrupt financial arrangement between a Chinese company with connections to the Chinese Communist Party and Hunter Biden's business, which may have personally benefited Joe Biden financially. In response, 73% said they had not. 13% of the voters said they would not have voted for Biden had they been properly informed. We've covered a lot tonight, and all of it important, as well as breaking news as we as we cover Twitter. That's what we do here. That's why I'm the cleanup hitter. Really the last one up. Not the last one, but the number fourth place up. And we're going to get into this more on Life, Liberty, and Levin on Sunday. I urge you, I encourage you, please, watch us at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. You don't think you can watch us? Go ahead and set your DVR now so you don't miss it. We salute our armed forces, police officers, Firefighter, emergency personnel, all you truckers out there, and all the freedom fighters, Taiwan, Ukraine, the people in Iran and Venezuela and Cuba. God bless you all. And I will see you tomorrow. Take care. <laughs>